You're listening to the Casting for Fun podcast, the show that talks about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad you could join us today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. Welcome, everybody, to the Casting for Fun podcast. I am your host, Albert Pineda. This week's episode is for Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. I'm very happy that you're with me for this week's episode, as I'm going to be doing yet another uh, track-by-track album review of a classic uh, music album that I really, really enjoy and think is really great. Uh, This week, we're going to be focusing on Bob Marley's legendary album, Exodus, by Bob Marley and the Wailers. Very excited to talk about this record. Uh, It's not celebrating an anniversary, but it is uh, very timely to be talking about it in honor of the recent biopic, the Bob Marley movie One Love, which came out a few weeks ago. Uh, I touch on the movie just a little bit in this conversation, and I'm joined by by great friends, Marcelo Ambrise and Nick Turner, who have been on the show many times before, especially Nick. Always special to have both of those guys on at the same time, but uh, I want to touch on the movie a little bit more. I touch on it a little bit during my conversation with Nick and Marcelo, but again, we focus mostly on the Exodus album itself. The movie, the biopic itself, without giving away too much, but again, I don't know if you can really spoil it because again, it's <laughs> it's based on, on true events. So, I mean, it's, the information's out there, but uh, the movie I thought was really great. Uh, I think uh, Kingsley Benadir. Uh, who plays the title role of Bob Marley. He did an excellent job in the role, as was uh, uh, Lashana Lynch, who plays Rita Marley, Bob's wife. The story of Bob Marley is really fascinating and great. Like just everything that he went through to become a cultural icon for uh, the people of Jamaica, reggae music, uh, emerging into the cultural mainstream, uh, hearing about specific life events that happened to him that resulted in him having to uh relocate to london to record the exodus album the uh recording process of that record itself is really fascinating and great and again that's all depicted in this biopic which just covers a very short period of bob's life from like the uh 76 to 78 roughly about two years or so maybe a little bit longer but yeah highly recommend it if you get a chance go see uh one love in theaters and for sure listen to exodus when you get a chance i hope you really in- enjoy listening to myself nick and marcel dive in to this particular album talk about why we love it so much why we love reggae music and again i'm going to keep doing these track by track uh themed episodes of the podcast because they're really fun for me and i am assuming that they're very enjoyable for the listeners and be sure to stay tuned for next week's episode uh one week from today next wednesday nathan cross will be returning to the show and we're going to dive into Soundgarden's super unknown album to celebrate that album's 30th anniversary but before that here we go this is uh bob marley exodus Track by track with Nick and Marcelo on the Casting for Fun podcast. So welcome back to the show, Nick Turner, Marcelo Embrice. Gentlemen, how's everyone doing tonight? Excelente. Doing well, doing well. It's good to have you both on the show at the same time. I mean, a little reunion as we were talking about just off the recording. 
Uh, And then it just kind of seemed that when we were together, we're usually just talking music anyways, right? Music and sports. So it's just a perfect time to get together to talk uh, about one particular album that I think we all really enjoy. Yeah. I concur. Very nice, very nice. So uh, for Marcelo, in case you haven't really been following the show recently, I started doing track-by-track reviews of specific albums, and I've kind of been using anniversaries as an excuse to talk about that album. Like, you know, Nick and Dude, I... Dude, that's brilliant. Van Halen's 1984 for its 40th anniversary. Uh, my my buddy Davis Ben, she was on a, a few weeks ago to talk about Incubus's uh, Cruelest of a Murder for its 20th anniversary. But then I've also just done, like, random, like, uh, recordings like my wife Allison, she wanted to talk about No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom, mm-hmm. not celebrating anniversary, but I just said, Hey, it's my podcast, I can just do whatever I want. So that's right, what I'm right. doing tonight with uh Bob Marley's Exodus album. But it is an honor also for the the biopic, which just released a few weeks ago as well. Nice, awesome. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Oh, yeah, I, I recommend it. I mean, I know there's been several biopics in recent years, like there's the Bohemian Rhapsody, the Rocket Man for Elton John, the Elvis yeah. Presley one. Um, I think all of them are, are good. And I, I think the Bob one is no exception. I think it's actually well, really well done. I have my reservations. You already know. Yeah. Ever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to get into, I mean, we're going to be focusing mostly on the Exodus album, but it is kind of interesting <clears throat> that the biopic really did focus on that particular aspect of his life, like the, the assassination attempt, uh, exiling himself into London to record Exodus and then the eventual return to Jamaica for the One Love concert. So it's kind of interesting that the biopic only really focused on a small part of his life as opposed to uh, the entire entirety of his career. So. Now, did you end up asking Tad to come on tonight or no? I did. And unfortunately, I never heard back from Tad. But I know Tad's usually a pretty busy guy, but uh, but I definitely would have loved to have his take on like Jamaican culture and things of that nature. Oh, that's, that's right. To... I totally forgot about that. It's good to know because I didn't talk to him. I'm going to give him crap for that. But like, I feel <laughs> like this is right up his alley because so, yeah, yeah, for I the think... listeners, Tad went to Jamaica on his mission. Mm-hmm. Um, was it 90, 96 to 98? Mm-hmm. And so pretty much became a Bob Marley expert because he was in Jamaica for two years. Yeah. You know, been to all the historical sites. Uh, I remember hearing people talk about Bob Marley and he would just be like, yeah, they're typical American. Only know what what we know or are told. <laughs> so that's too bad he couldn't come on. Tad, you're an idiot for not being here. That's <laughs> What's up, Tad? Okay, no worries, man. No worries. We'll get you on next time, Tad. But uh, in the meantime, yeah. So before we jump into track by track review of this particular album, the Exodus album, just a few random facts to get us started. Uh, so the album was first released uh, June 3rd, 1977. It was the set, the ninth studio album from Bob Marley and the Wailers. It was only kind of a modest success. Like it sold 1.6 million uh, copies, which is, you know, modest success, pretty good. Uh, it's interesting that it was actually the, the, uh, compilation of all the all the songs into the legend uh greatest hits album but mm-hmm. that was the one that sold like 25 million worldwide so i guess people were just kind of waiting for all the music to get together or maybe the exodus was the album that truly like uh established bob in the mainstream uh, musical genre worldwide but regardless though i mean again this is his most commercially successful studio album at 1.6 million uh as previously mentioned recorded in london uh, after the assassination attempt on his life, which occurred in December 3rd of uh, 1976. And we're going to come back to those dates as well as we get into the this uh, particular recording. But I wanted to ask both of you, uh, how did you guys kind of get introduced to Bob Marley? I mean, I remember for me, 
uh, I remember just randomly listening to K-Rock and K-Rock was like kind of declaring themselves the reggae revolution and playing a lot of reggae yeah. music on Sunday mornings, <laughs> which was really cool. And then I remember uh, my older brother, Fernando, he started getting into it. So it just kind of like kind of like crept out of nowhere for me. But I mean, the reality is reggae has been influencing music for for decades, really. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I funny enough, uh, there was this kid in my church, in my ward. <clears throat> and uh he he was a pothead <laughs> he was like one of the counselor's kids and he was major pothead and always would draw like bob marley because he had he was an amazing artist and uh i was like hey man can you like make me a mixtape and he made me a mixtape of obviously like predominantly a lot of uh bob marley but then he introduced me to like peter tosh and uh third world um, even some UB40 and uh, like Steel Pulse. And so I, it was through him that I, I learned about Bob Marley and, and, and all that jazz, yeah. I got a different story. Like I didn't listen to a lot of reggae younger. Um, I loved ska in my high school years, Yep. which of course descends from it. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't until like Tad got back from his mission and was really into it that I, I heard more about it, but I actually didn't really start listening, listening, in my opinion, until like post-mission, getting into Slightly Stupid and kind of going down, as I call the white reggae road. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, in corp, you know, listening to Bob and Peter Tosh and all these other guys. Um, and then Tom, like Tom was another a big influence on that because after the mission, Tom and I lived together. And Tom was big into reggae and Bob. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the start for me was living with Tom. We would always put that on and just reggae in general. Now I'd say it's one of my favorite genres personally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy to think just the influence it's had. I mean, like, so if you hear songs like dating back to the early 70s, Led Zeppelin was incorporating that sound with uh, Dare Maker for the the uh, House of the Holy album and then the police were using it as well. So like that uh, uh, white reggae, as it were, or however you want to phrase it that way. That's what I call it. <laughs> no, that's a perfectly way to class- good way to classify it. But uh, so many bands and musicians were being influenced by it. And then you listen to the, the originators, the, those who, you know, came from Jamaica and like brought it to a worldwide audience. It's just been amazing and fantastic and great just to listen to the grooves, like the intricacies of the songs. They're simple yet beautiful. It's uh, There's not enough great things I could say about reggae. And then it, it's kind of interesting too, that this particular Bob Marley album Exodus was declared by Time Magazine to be the greatest album of the 20th century, which again, it's wow. just some people's opinions. Everyone's <clears throat> got opinions, but yeah. to be honest, I would throw Exodus up there with, you know, with Michael Jackson's thriller uh, uh, the Beatles, uh, Abbey Road, uh, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, uh, all, all the great albums that people talk about, pe- um, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. I, I would throw Exodus up there with as far as like being a timeless classic. Dude, that's bold. That's a bold statement, man. <laughs> I wouldn't dispute it. Are you going to dispute it, Marcelo? I mean, I think we can go. I mean, I think I have my thoughts and feelings about, you know, reggae uh i mean I, I i like straight off the bat i mean i don't necessarily don't think it's not yeah but i also think there are, when i think of like an album that you like don't skip and you are like wanting each song to last 10 minutes because it's so good i think 
Exodus is probably a little lower on my scale than like top 10, you know? Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's just all me. Right. That's just no. me. Yeah. Oh, no. All the people that are welcome. And in fact, yeah. maybe even with the listening of all 10 songs, maybe you'll, you'll uh, change your tune. But if you don't, that's okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm down. I'm down. Okay. So let's jump into it. Let's go ahead and jump into it track by track. So we're going to be going over each song, uh, doing just little excerpts from each song and then discussing each one, facts about the songs, what we like, uh, things of that nature. So here we go. This is track number one uh, Natural Mystique. So that's track number one, Natural Mystique. You know, it's interesting how the album was put together because, uh, you know, the first half deals a lot with like uh, religious politics and things of that nature. uh, Whereas the second half of the album deals with like love and romance. Uh, So it's kind of, I mean, like, I wouldn't say it's a concept album in the same vein as like Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, which would also be one of like the the greatest albums of uh, modern music. But uh, I do think it was kind of interesting that they went with that or that Bob and the Wailers went with that route. So what would you say about that first song, Natural Mystique, particularly like, I guess it's slow build going into the, the eventual rhythm that we get. I just think it's a good beat. Like, I just like it. I hear it. I want to move. Just slowly comes at you. And it's just, it's a chill song. You could just sit back, put your feet up, grab a drink and relax. And you're going to have a good time. Independent (laughs) of the words, even. Just just relax and you're going to enjoy it. You can have a conversation, listening to that. Uh, It's just good chill vibes. Um, so I had, I didn't know that this track was on, um, Exodus because I, there, there is like, besides legend, there's like another, um, best of, and yeah. it's songs that didn't make the cut. It's called like, uh, it's uh, actually called natural mystic. Yeah. The legend, like, legend is on. Yeah. 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 So that's how I was introduced to the song. In in fact, it, it that that particular like um um you know uh, best of is so cohesive it sounds like its own album but it it it, it to me it sounds like an opening song mm-hmm. and it sounds like it's perfectly placed for that um for this album it just it like lures you in and that's what i love about this song mm-hmm yeah, I would agree. I mean, sometimes that's something you don't necessarily think about too much, but I mean, the placement of certain songs that could actually really like uh, enhance the whole listening experience. And I think Natural Mystique, the way it begins, is the perfect way to start off this particular record. But you know what's interesting, Albert, to that yeah. point is like, I actually think it it should have been Exodus because it has that sort of same driving like beats, 
that sort of it, it's it feels like an introduction. And so I think they have two. I'm just saying if Natural Mystic is first, and then if they magically swapped it, like I wouldn't be mad. Like it's equally as good, you know. This is just kind of random speculation on my part, but I mean, I don't know if bands have a preference of like putting the title track in a certain spot. Like, do they think, okay, because it is the title track, don't put it first. You want to put it somewhere else on the album. Again, I don't know if that really makes any difference or not. It would be nice to hear from a professional musician if it does. Sure, sure. But but, but I, I like your point. I think that's a really excellent point, Marcel, that you could in theory swipe, swap the, the two songs in their position on the, the record. Yeah, for sure. What was going on at the time, though? This is a pretty old album. Oh, it's like eight. What what year is it? Eighty uh, nineteen seventy seven. Yeah, seventy seven. That's right. Because Bob died in eighty one, right? Eighty one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just an interesting time on the speculation of why, what order. Yeah. Was there anything meant by it, or was it just the producer? Um, you know, was it the artist was like, I at least want this song here and that one there. Um. That would be interesting to know. I don't think we'll ever know, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's go. Yeah. Cool. Let's jump into uh, track number two. This is uh, So Much Things to Say. number two so much things to say so again this one also deals a lot with the uh, uh political and like religious aspects of rastafarianism mm-hmm. uh you know bob name drops uh jesus christ and also two uh, uh notable jamaican activists <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry marcelo was just making a joke <laughs> uh, two notable uh, jamaican activists uh uh marcus garvey and uh Paul Bogle, who again, personally, I mean, I'm not familiar with, I, I can't really relate to that. But I mean, for those who are part of the Rastafarian faith, I mean, I'm sure those gentlemen are, are big deals to them. But uh, it's interesting that the topics I think that he's bringing up in this particular song, just even titled uh, uh, so much things to say, like, you know, he wants, it almost seems like he wants to get so much off his chest, like there's so many things he wants to declare and say, and then even mention, throws the line, uh, uh, don't forget who you are and where you stand in the struggle. So mm. regardless of what your politics are, I think it's very, very important to make your opinions known, to use your voice, uh, to spread the message that you want to spread. And obviously that's what Bob was doing in this particular song, I feel. Yeah, I think, you know, he definitely had politics on the mind. Like these are the things that was his daily life. Like there was a lot of turmoil in Jamaica. A lot of fighting, a lot of murder. You know, he was well-traveled in the world as a musician. Saw lots of things, but, you know, ultimately cared about Jamaica and its people. um, And his own religion. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, um, and I think lyrically for me, I kind of get a little lost personally, uh, but I do, I do love this. I love this beat because I think it, it, it you know, like the, the, sometimes he's like, political lyrics are sometimes very uh like you need they're very like symbolic but this is like pretty straightforward to me i feel like like there is no you know there's a few like references to like god and like uh and uh, you know jaw and jesus christ mm-hmm. so I, I think there was like he's like very straightforward which I think is like kind of goes with the beat as well because the there's no like magic in it's a great reggae beat but it's not like oh mind blowing I think it's 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 meant to be read as is you know like this is the these are the lyrics there's no mucking about it's like exactly what I say is what I mean mm-hmm. very nice okay let's go ahead and jump into uh, track number three this is uh, guiltiness. Cool. So that was uh, track number three, Guiltiness. Uh, a little bit of a contrast compared to uh, uh, So Much Things to Say, right? So it kind of goes into like a slower, like a uh, a more downtrodden beat, I guess, to kind of maybe reflect the song itself, which is, uh, you know, your warning, shout out to the oppressors. Like, you know, woe to the downpressor. Um, they eat the bread of sorrow, as Bob states in this particular song. So again, a more that dealing, I guess, with the, the political side of things, as it were, or like the, basically the the societal injustices that were guess going on at the time for, for Jamaica. So, but what did you guys think of this particular one? I think you hit it on the, on the head there, uh, Albert, the, the music like directly reflects like the tone of the lyrics. Yeah. I think, I think you hit it right, right on the nose, right on the nose. The wealthy elites versus the average people. Seems to be the message. Very cool. Uh, Let's go ahead and jump into uh, track number four. Rise 
was track number four, The Eden, which again, it's very similar to uh, uh, Guiltiness as far as like the themes that I think they're discussing in this particular song. But what I think stands out for me is like we have that little like uh, really cool sounding guitar, uh, which again, like not really utilized to- so much in reggae music, kind of more like a rock sound, but it was kind of cool to incorporate that particular little guitar riff, I think, in that song. Uh, other than that, it really much is just kind of like, I think this is a, like very similar to the previous song we just heard. Yeah, but once again, put that on, kick back, relax. Like you can just chill out to the beat. If you want to listen to the lyrics, do it, but just relax. Have a conversation yeah. with someone. Like it's just, I think it's just good chill music. Yeah. But also, you know, it's, um, what's interesting is like it, it does have that beat and it's like chill but it's like in contrast like the lyrics are always uh, it, they seem heavy almost as a though, like deep. yeah but also like think i'm like like uh nick has said before like think about like what was going on that time mm-hmm. like literally like three songs back to back to back that basically talk about the same thing mm-hmm. but how but the emotions are different, you know. It's like it to me. It's it's interesting that there's so much strife that he has experienced in Jamaica that you can talk about it three different ways and and be very passionate about it too. Yeah, I agree. You got you got to you got to keep that context. Like lots of murders going on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And he's he's looked up to from a large group of society and like he didn't want to pick a side per se. Lyric, you know, he's trying to express his feelings and ideas through song to his people. Yeah. How do you how do you do that? It's gotta be an interesting position to be in. Oh yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Okay, let's jump into track number five. This is uh, one of the most well-known songs on the record, and we're going to get into now the big singles for this particular album. This is track number five, Exodus. Track number five, Exodus. Uh, obviously, uh, drawing comparisons with uh, the va- famous Bible story of Moses leading the uh, house of Israel out of Egyptian captivity to uh, Rastafari and seeking freedom. So again, like the same idea that you know we have to go through an exodus or a mass movement of people uh, in order to find that uh, freedom that they're looking for. Uh, I always consider the song to be just an inspiring battle uh, battle cry type song, like kind of really motivating, inspiring. Uh, it's been cool to to hear uh, Bob's son Ziggy perform it live in concert. So that that's kind of uh, the closest that we get to really getting that 
live experience from Bob would be have his son Ziggy perform it. So that's always really cool to hear. Uh, one of the, his longest longest songs too, seven minutes and forty one seconds in length. So just like uh, I I don't know if it's cliche to just call it, but I would just call it an epic song. No, I mean, I I absolutely agree with you. I mean, the song is like I it. It, it, it's almost as like not to you know compare it but it's like listening to um uh that one youtube song i wanna run it's like you're basically hearing the same note over and over again oh where the like, streets have no name yeah the streets have no name yeah exactly and it's like um this is there where the streets have no name because it's like literally like basically throughout the whole song for seven minutes yeah. Well, actually, I would say that the "Where the Streets Have No Name" by U two is actually their version of Bob Marley's Exodus. Because yeah, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Yeah. No, no, no. I agree with you on that. It could be either or, but uh, but um, funny thing is, like you know, back in the day when we were younger, like you you didn't have like the internet to look up lyrics. So yeah. right. for the longest time, I thought it was. I thought the lyrics were Exodus, moving bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> we we all have those stories. Come on, yeah, no, no, no. I know, mm. but I, it's it, dude. It's it, it, but it's like not wrong either. You know, it's like that's exactly what Exodus was. Yeah, yeah. No, I I had the same thought as Albert. I was thinking of uh, all the times we've seen Ziggy perform it, and it's not yeah. the same, mm-hmm. but it's probably as close as we're gonna get. And uh, just that song comes on at the concerts and. It doesn't matter how long it is. You never get tired of it. Everyone's yeah. moving. Uh, it's a good, like, as a song to perform on stage. I love that one. Like, it's just always a good performance. And it's such a simple song. Yeah. Yeah. But you get so much out of it, seeing it live. So if you can go see Ziggy, I say go see Ziggy. If you still have yeah, a chance. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Totally Very nice. agree with it. Yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into uh, track number six. This is also one of the most famous songs, another big single from this record. This is uh, track number six, Jammin'. Track number uh, six, Jammin. Uh, quite a bit to unpack with this particular song. So we're, we're going to dive into it because I have a lot that I want to share. Uh, as we get into these like bigger songs, like the, the singles, uh, we can kind of see just how incorporated they are into pop culture. Uh, so I know, Marcelo, you wanted to bring this up. Uh, the song was actually used in an episode of The Simpsons. And I can distinctly remember the particular episode. Like it's when uh, Bart accidentally gets rid of his dog, Santa's little helper, because he's a bad dog and he's desperate to get him back. 
and a, a blind man ends up with him. And then the police show up because like they, he was, the, the blind man had called the cops on Bart. But then Bart was just trying to explain, hey, I just want my dog back. And then uh, they they find like some pot on the, the old man. <laughs> and then the old man just says, oh, no, the cops say, oh, it could be medicinal. Oh, yeah, I need it. I'm, I might go blinder if I don't have the pot with it. And then the, all the police show up and then just have like a huge party with this song blasting. So I guess it was kind of just associated with, yes, uh, pot smoking, weed, reggae music. And this is obviously one of Bob's most famous songs. So I mean, if you're going to use it to kind of show like the party vibe and atmosphere, this would be the song to use. Hey, who's that? Oh, I like you too. Wow, looks like somebody's made a new best friend. <laughs> okay, boy, that's enough. That's... That's not for doggies. Don't. Oh, jeez. Marijuana. Well, I guess he didn't like you after all. He just smelled your narcotics. Fuck him, boys. Hold on, Chief. It might be medicinal. Oh, yeah, med medicinal. I, without it, I could uh, go even blinder. Right? Uh, this might take a while, kid. Why don't you and your buddy run along? Bye, laddie. Come on, boy. Let's go home and have some fun, huh? That cat's been strutting around like she owns the place. Ooh, yeah. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Hey, what's up there? I love this song. Hey, Chief. I love this. Shut up. I love this song. Ooh, yeah. Shut up, Lou. I wanna time it with you. Jamming, jamming, and I hope you like jamming too. See you through, baby. Cause every day we pay the price for the thing with sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, dude, I, I mean the lyrics, right? I want to jam it with you. It's like, it, 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 I mean, it can mean so many different things, like, uh, you know, to friends or to a lover or whatever. It's just so universal. And what I think is like, you know, what I imagine, you know, a lot of these reggae Rastafarians, uh, it's like their message is truly about love, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that they want to spread it. Yeah. They want to jam with everyone. Very nice. I wonder, yeah. I don't know. I remember, I don't know if it's in a documentary or with Tad that this is what came to my mind that uh, when Bob first started out, a lot of guys in, in the band, they thought they were getting ripped off like Peter Tosh and like they were fighting like, hey, we should get paid more, blah, blah, blah. And Bob was like, no, we're good. Like we're on a good pattern. Like just stay steady. Anyway, and that's why like some of the original guys went and split on their own, but that like in the, in the end, Bob had made the right decision and all the guys recognized it years later that like he, you know, he understood like that slow grow. Um, and he ended up being more dominant than all of them, even though they thought they were going to break off, but just jamming. Like he just like, that was kind of his vibe. Like, Hey, we're, we're just going to go jam. We're going to go tour. Yeah, we're opening for these guys. I think, you know, open for guys that he was probably bigger than. And some people on the band are like, come on, we're bigger than these guys. And he's like, no, like we're playing a gig. 
let's go do our thing. Like to me, I get that from this song. Like that was just his vibe. Like we play anywhere. It's not all about the money. We go play. Everything else will come in time just because we love what we do. So that's one of the things I, I get from that. No, perfectly said. Well, I mean, it fits in perfectly because, again, also in my notes, I have it here that uh, I guess in Jamaican Patois, the word jamming actually just kind of means like to gather together to celebrate. Uh, so, again, it's kind of like a, a uniting uh, uh, slogan, I guess, as it were, as far as getting the people together. Uh, a bit of information I want to share that, Marcelo, I think you're going to dig this about this particular song. So uh, jamming included the, the B-side of the song uh, Punky Reggae Party. Uh, and which is kind of interesting about this particular song. So it was recorded in 1977 during that time that Bob was in exile in London. Um, and apparently, so in 1977, The Clash also released their debut album, the self-titled debut album, which featured <laughs> the cover of uh, Junior Mar uh, Mervyn's uh, song, Police and Thieves. So I'm sure, Marcelo, you're familiar with that particular song. Uh, oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. But what I've read online is that Bob was a huge fan of that song. He loved their The Clash's recording of it. So much so that I guess Bob was really into the Clash uh, music. And it's depicted in the biopic. I didn't know this, but Bob actually saw the Clash in concert in London in 1977. And the time frame like, you know, matches up because that's when he was there recording. The Clash were there playing uh, the yeah. album at that same time frame. Uh, and then uh, Bob actually name drops the Clash in the song Funky Reggae Party. Like the Clash, oh, crazy. And the Jam, like a bunch of like, you know, English uh, uh, punk bands of the era were named yeah. that particular song recorded during that time frame. So it, it was all just kind of interesting and cool to me. And Funky Reggae Party, again, wasn't on the Exodus album. It was on, like I guess, like a special edition, like a deluxe edition of the, the Legend uh, album. But that's, oh, that's cool. too. Yeah, so a little, little bit of history. And it was cool to actually see Joel Strummer depicted on screen for the biopic where we see Bob actually attending a Clash concert, uh, which I didn't know before. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> that was very Yeah, cool. I mean, you know, uh, if you think about it, like punk and reggae, uh, I mean, they, they're they both very politically, you know, charged. Mm -hmm. They have politically charged lyrics. And and I think, like, you know, obviously with ska and these, like, amalgamations of its original, it, they're not that far. They're not that different, you know. Mm -hmm. No, as, as we mentioned earlier in the recording that uh, uh, reggae had a huge influence on rock music. And then we got to see like, yeah. the early developings in the 70s and into the 80s. And then actually you go to the 90s and beyond. I mean, you can clearly see like the, the marriage of the two musical styles together with some of the bands that we like. Yeah. So, yeah, so it definitely isn't out of the... the the, the realm of possibility that like you know reggae artists and, and punk rockers would actually get along and be friends and hang out not that yeah. i know i don't know if like bob and joel strummer were actually good friends outside of the music industry but it would be cool a cool story to hear if they were but but we do know for sure that bob did see joel strummer and the clash in concert i'm That's sure cool, there was man. respect there yeah yeah for sure very cool very cool so let's go ahead and jump into uh track number seven this is uh waiting in vain Thank you. 
So that's track number seven, Waiting in Vain, another one of the big, massive, popular, well-known singles from this record. Uh, I always consider this song, like, you know, hearing it in high school and in like my, my early mid-20s, uh, this is like the perfect song to play for any guy who's having to deal with being friend-zoned, right? Like, you know, that, uh, <laughs> you, know you, you desire a woman so badly, so you want her so bad, and like, you just uh... can't get over the hump because like, she's like, you know, like rejecting your affection or feelings, but just wants to be friends. This would be the kind of song to actually uplift and help someone, I think. And it, it definitely did for me. <laughs> yeah, funny. I mean... I mean, honestly, I think this is like one of my favorite Bob Marley songs, if not one of my favorite songs of all time. I mean, uh, The Waiting in Vain, uh, I'll Still Be Waiting There. It's just like, for me, it's like heartbreak and love and uh, and uh, rejuvenation or regeneration um, after the fact. You know, it's like, uh, talks about the seasons, you know winter is here and i'm still waiting you know he goes and it's like it really is sort of like very powerful lyrically but also it's got a very cool you know um just really cool music i mean it's beautiful yeah it's got a lot of a lot of good things about that song it's rumored it could have been written about um damian marley's mom really it's what I've read on the interwebs, so take that with the grain of salt, but mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, she was very beautiful. She was like yeah. uh, the Jamaican queen, not queen, uh, beauty queen, right? I don't I don't remember. You know, the, the biopic okay. only kind of like barely touches the surface of that because they obviously Ziggy and the rest of the family had a hand in as producers so i think they kind of wanted to not show some of like certain aspects of bob's life but uh yeah but yeah that was my understanding that that yeah that both bob and rita were kind of involved in extramarital uh uh affairs mm-hmm. of that nature but but that yeah. being said yeah it, it is kind of interesting just to to think where the the roots of that song actually come from but but as i mentioned earlier i i do feel that it has so many applications for us on a personal level for anyone who is struggling to, to really find like, you know, a love and relationship in life, which is tough. It, it obviously is really hard and tough. Well, it's yeah. funny. I, I'm just thinking now, uh, you guys remember that? I'll, I'll come around to it. That Norm McDonald joke on SNL uh, where he's talking about Goldie Hawn talking about Kurt Russell, how, Hey, sometimes Men just need to go away and play, and then they'll come back home. And then he, Norm's like, ah, and here I wrote a new book, The Greatest Woman to Ever Live, Goldie Hawn. Uh, <laughs> how, like, Bob, you know, like he was a player mm-hmm. for sure. But very, Yeah, very much and so. And I remember Tad talking about this, how, like, but he kind of always came back to his OG, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that they kind of had that understanding. Like, she knew. He was gonna go play, 
she was cool with it. She kind of did her own thing. And, uh, but in the end, they always came back to each other. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, one other thing that I would just mention about this song. I mean, I just love the the lyrical content as Marcelo kind of hinted at before, but just that uh, in life, I know there's lots of grief, but in, but your love is my relief. Tears in my eyes burn, tears in my eyes burn while I'm waiting, while I'm waiting for my turn. So again, just really beautiful, beautifully written song. And it's been covered by, by a number of numerous artists, including uh, Nick Hexum for his solo album, which was really cool too. So... It's been three years since I'm knocking on your door And I still can't knock some more Ooh, girl, ooh, girl, is it feasible? I want to know now For I to knock some more Yeah, see, in life I know There's lots of grief but your love is my relief Tears in my eyes burn Tears in my eyes burn While I'm waiting, while I'm waiting for my turn See, I don't wanna wait in vain We can see the, the popularity of the songs where, I mean, not just this song, but there's been several that have been covered by other popular artists just really inspired and moved by what Bob was saying in his music. It's a timeless love story. It applies it to really everyone. Is. Like it applies to every person pretty much that's ever lived. Mm -hmm. Most likely. Yeah. 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 And speaking of the love theme, so let's go ahead and keep on with that same theme. Uh so track number eight. This is uh Turn Your Lights Down Low. Turn your lights down low. And pull your window curtains Oh, let your moon come shining in Into our life again Saying, ooh, it's been a long, long That's track number eight, Turn Your Nights Down Low. Again, also just going on with the really like romantic love theme. Uh, the perfect, I think, uh, like uh, uh, night moods type of song. Like it kind of reminds me of like, you know, Foreigners Waiting for a Girl Like You. But again, this was another one of those songs that came out before. So technically, Foreigner probably owes a, uh, an old debt to, to Bob Marley and the Wailers. <laughs> but, but again, just beautifully written, just uh, the rhythm of it. It's very much like R&B inspired or like uh, influenced. So just another like really beautiful song, I feel. Oh That's yeah, great... man, absolutely. Just uh, the lyrics, I'm like, man, if you just kind of shorten it a little bit, write this down, give it to a girl. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it's a kind of a short song too. It's like pretty direct. <laughs> I would say it's pretty direct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but very nice. And love is definitely a very powerful thing. Love is in the air.
Very nice. It okay. Is. I want to give you some good, good loving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's one of the lyrics. I'm reading it. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So let's go ahead and jump into uh, track number nine. This is Sweet Little Birds, probably one of the most well-known best yeah. love Bob songs of all time. So that's uh, track number nine, Three Little Birds, one of the most well-known, beloved Bob Marley songs ever. In fact, uh, I know sometimes when it comes to music that we love, it can be tough to pick. Uh, for certain bands, I think I can pick favorite songs, like my conversation you know, last month with Nick about Van Halen. I picked my favorite Van Halen song in Panama. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I actually would probably pick this song as my favorite Bob Marley song of all time. Even though it's so simple in its composition, the lyrics, like, you know, don't worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right. Like, to me, it's just that's no... I don't know if you can get more inspiring than that. Just feel good, happy vibes. Like no matter what you're feeling, put this song on and you're definitely going to be in for a, a better mood. So this would probably be my favorite Bob Marley song. Dude, I, I mean, just, uh, I'm sorry, Nick, uh, but just thinking about this is like the fourth or fifth song that is like a genuine like hit for mm -hmm. Bob Marley. And that's like 50% or 60% of this album is just a banger, you know? Number ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like crazy because like that's half of like what Legend is, like the album. Right. It's like mm -hmm. most songs from this, I'm, uh, you know, most singles from this album is what Legend is, mm -hmm. you know? It, it's, it's crazy to like have Lightning Strike twice, but he hit it like four or five times on this album. That's Mm -hmm. And if you think about the ones that didn't aren't as pop popular, they all kind of sound the same, mm -hmm. but these hits are distinctive sounds. And it's crazy that they were able to do that with reggae and have five different sounds, completely different sounds in this time in the music, in their music history. So I think it, I mean, it fucking amazing. Sorry. Freaking amazing. Earmuffs, earmuffs, <laughs> earmuffs. Now, isn't it? It's an interesting contrast that most of the album we've had very deep politics, like really tough conversations, deep love, like meaningful to the heart. And then as we come near the end, it's like, hey, but don't worry. Like, this is like a really tough t time in Jamaica's history. Once again, people are dying. So you have those hard lyrics. And then in the end, hey, just. Just relax. Everything will be all right. Uh, like a total inspiration to take a step back in life and 
just kind of, I think like, look at what's around you. Look at your family. Like, look at what matters. Everything will be all right. Absolutely. Totally agree, Nick. In fact, uh, uh, again, another example of like the placement on the record. So, you know, having this song towards the very end and then the final song of uh, uh, One Love People Get Ready, which we're going to get to in just a minute. Uh, perfect, perfectly placed on the, the record, uh, considering everything else we've already listened to thus far, as you just brought out, Nick. Uh, this song also like talks about like, or I mean, an example of this song would be of the its use in popular culture, as we hinted at earlier. I don't know if you guys remember the the Will Smith movie, I Am Legend. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember like, I mean, I know Will Smith's kind of a polarizing character now. I mean, that was two years ago, but I guess people still have strong opinions on him. But uh, uh, I always <laughs> spoilers for this movie. That's almost uh, almost 20 years yeah, old. You don't got to spoil it. Okay, they haven't okay. seen it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but in the movie, like, you know, they're dealing with the zombie apocalypse and like this fast moving zombies and his dog, his only companion. Uh, gets bit and he has to shoot and kill his own dog and to help them like get over this huge dramatic thing he has to do he's humming and thinking singing the song uh, lyrics to uh uh three little birds so it's got it's kind of a heart-wrenching scene in this particular movie and again i know if if you haven't seen it i say check it out if you haven't seen it in a while check it out even if you have like you know negative opinions about will smith but uh for the most part i would say i still kind of enjoy his movies even though i, I can put the the whole silliness behind me but yeah, yeah. again there's a, another example of bob's music getting used in popular culture where people will just instantly gravitate towards it and think hey i can incorporate this into my project because it's just so timeless and perfect it's also like it, it it's it's a it's a idea that everyone can relate to mm -hmm. It's not distinctively for a certain people. The concept of don't worry about a thing because every little thing will be all right. It's like that is a universal principle. And I think that's why it's so big. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Okay, so we're at the end of the album. Let's go ahead and jump into track number 10, the final song, One Love, People Get Ready. song on this uh, classic amazing album uh one love people get ready uh i i didn't know this before researching this this particular episode uh or researching this album for this episode but that uh, uh curtis mayfield uh the r&b singer was actually given like half credit for the song because i guess it incorporates lyrics of a song he wrote for the band uh the impressions uh song called people get ready so it's actually used in the song itself uh, so I guess, it, yeah, so I mean, I guess to avoid any legal issues, they they gave him half credit writing credit for this particular song. Um, Crazy. As far as like, you know, the music itself goes, this may be the most famous reggae song of all time. In fact, I, I think my mom could probably tell, hey, this is a Bob Marley song. Like, uh, 
I I remember just seeing like you know various commercials advertising like tourist destinations for Jamaica, and like this song would always be playing. So I don't know how you guys feel, but I mean I I love this song. It's great. I can understand people maybe getting like a little uh, if if uh, if Bob Marley were to have an amber song, maybe it's this one. But but even despite that, I think it's actually a really good well well-known song maybe his most best known song to be honest yeah i mean i think i i totally agree i'm sorry yeah. no no i no, totally going, agree man. With you. um <clears throat> let me start my 45 minute dissertation about one <laughs> okay no. can you keep it down no. to 42 <laughs> it, it, it's a it, again it's like um this song is so distinct from uh, all the other reggae songs it's it's you know it just is a beautiful song and like with amazing lyrics it's like how can someone be so prolific like that it's 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 really impressive yeah it's almost like scripture in parts mm-hmm. well, well to that point um nick you know like when i was i was still an active member of the church of jesus christ of latter day saints when i was a teenager so like a lot of like these references to God and to heaven, earth, strife, the devil and all that stuff, to hear it in in music form that is not like piano music was like kind of cool. And I think that's why I related to it even more than just like liking the beats and whatnot, you know. It's a good point. It's a yeah. good message. Mm-hmm. Once again, it's ending on like i would say a hope of inspiration kind of to forgive your enemies to not forget to be kind it's not saying that in those words but you know have love for others even the sinner yeah yeah it's kind of one of those songs that you know deals with like you know the re- religious aspects of it to you know love of god and of man that you could uh you know listen to enjoy and stand up to and you know and you won't offend anybody because you weren't invited to do so you know you can just stand up if you wanted to yeah i would agree yeah oh god i thought you guys were going to catch my joke i was making a joke about uh, the choir guy from the mtc <laughs> <laughs> like, we do not stand during we the don't MTC stand <laughs> darn it <laughs> so it goes along with Carlos' point that it, it very much is dealing with uh, religious themes that i think uh <clears throat> can be very inspirational to a lot of people <clears throat> in fact i can even t- attest from my time as a missionary in brazil like the, the brazilians love bob marley i mean he was a huge cultural icon to them maybe not as quite the same level as, as jamaica but i mean i think he he spoke to a lot of the the downpressed people so individuals from third world countries i think they absolutely gravitated towards the music of bob and songs like one love people get ready yeah i mean what place doesn't like this music Mm-hmm. Or Bob in particular. Yeah. There might be a place, I'm just not aware of it, but it makes sense that this would speak to all peoples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. So you, we, oh, sorry, go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. I was going to say, as you point out, Marcelo, it's like a spiritual aspect, but it's not preachy church. It's just a good message. Yeah. Through music. Yeah, it's like, it's like giving the dog his medicine by putting it into his food, you know? It's like... It's not, it's not yeah, your mom yeah, saying, remember who you are, Marcelo. <laughs> right, right, right. It's Bob Marley basically teaching the golden rule and, you know, God and belief in God and faith. So, yeah. 
Very nice. So, so we reached the end. That's uh, Bob Marley Exodus. Uh, Time Magazine says it's the greatest album of the 20th century. Uh, what do you think, Marcelo, after diving into it a little bit deeper? Has your opinion changed at all? Or has it moved of- up or down on the list? I think it's 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 staying out of my top 10 for sure. But I will say this, though. It's like, um, like, like I said, like I think an album for me to be considered like perfect or the best or whatever – like there needs there like for me it's like there are no skips and each song is distinct but cohesive over you know the album and you know for me i think the greatest album ever written is uh, radiohead's okay computer <laughs> but but this is to me this is nowhere near an okay computer vibe mm-hmm. um uh, but that being said it's like oh my gosh six hits on one album it's like insane mm-hmm. and that itself is like putting it in in one of the greatest but i don't think top 10 for me but that's just you know how many hits does your favorite album have see that's the thing it doesn't have any hits <laughs> maybe no, but, uh you know what on that too right uh a paranoid android and karma police were hit songs right karma police yeah and then i think but for me as it stands it just stands the test of time because mm. I cannot listen to it for like a month or two. And, or let's say if I didn't listen to it in like for years and then I listened to it, I think it would just evoke the same sort of emotion in me. Uh, the music just sounds modern because it's timeless music. Mm. That's just me, you know. Dude, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like it's music. It speaks, <laughs> yeah. it speaks to you. And that's what matters yeah, yeah. most is that you get the most out of it yeah yeah very nice so that's that's the important thing that everyone has their opinions that we can you know take the time to record a podcast to express our opinions and what we love uh if anyone hasn't really been familiar with this particular album and you listen to it us ramble on about why we love it then and and you got converted say hey i gotta listen to bob marley music more often than mission accomplished as far as i'm concerned but yeah, this is definitely, uh, I, I think, Bob's best album. Uh, again, most people would probably agree. Some people might say one of the more deeper cuts ones, like Uprising or uh, uh, or uh, Catch a Fire or something like that. But um, Actually, if I have to say, like, my favorite, and this is why I think I like OK Computer, because um, Bob Marley's survival, to me, is probably head above shoulders all his other albums as mm. as a piece of art uh-huh. uh to, that's just that's just me that that but survival is worth your time believe me and that's Great. in my top 10 that album is in my top 10 for sure okay very nice, nice. very nice man <laughs> very cool uh, do you have any thoughts nick before we wrap up i want to make sure you give you a chance to give your yeah uh... i i kind of i'm gonna call this an honorable mention if you will but uh see if you guys remember you know you want to get the kids into music young. So back many years ago, they came out with B is for Bob. Oh, that's you guys right. remember that. Petrus and Money loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it's a collection of Bob Marley songs that Ziggy, they kind of reproduced and made them more kid friendly. Oh, and so it's a kid album. Mm-hmm. Really? It's the introduce. It's to be able. Basically, it's to be able to listen to Bob Marley and have your kids like it. Like not as adulty, mm-hmm. and so B is for Bob. I love that album. You can put it on for the kids, and most kids like it. Um, 
So you can start introducing your children to Bob Marley at a pretty young age. And it's music you'll enjoy. It's mm. not bluey and kid music. <laughs> like it's good music. So B is for yeah. Bob. Yeah. Give that a try. I listen to it sometimes just because I like it without the children. So <laughs> That's yeah, cool. I do remember that because around that same time, Ziggy released a, 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 a kid, children's album of his own, like original songs, like the yeah. family time. Yeah, around that same time. I remember yep. that. That's right. Very cool. Well, cool, cool. Uh, if there's nothing else, gentlemen, we'll go ahead and wrap up for tonight. But uh, I hope this will be the first of uh, many times that we're all together talking music and going over songs track by track. And we definitely need to have Derek on when we eventually get to uh, Sound Systems 25th anniversary later this year. I'm really, really looking Freaking forward to Freaking A, man. Hell yeah. We're Hell old. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it doesn't even have to be for anniversaries either. In fact, Marcelo, if you want to sometime uh, in the future, let's, let's sit down and talk about OK Computer. Let's just dive into that one. Let's oh, see. I mean, I would. Dude, I, I can do that right now if you want to. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, well, Nick, Marcelo, it's always a pleasure, guys. I'm, I'm grateful for our friendship and that we can uh, sit together and laugh around and have a good time. Okay, so you've been Me listening too. to uh, the Casting for Fun podcast. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>